0: Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and today, I am more nervous than I usually am at the beginning of an episode because I have Fiona Forbes in the YVR Screen Scene Podcast hot seat. (laughs) I'm like hiding behind my computer as I say that. Fiona Forbes is a media icon and a veteran broadcaster in the Vancouver screen scene. I don't use words like icon and veteran lightly. When you're describing someone who has interviewed more than 30,000 celebrities and newsmakers over the course of their illustrious career, well, words like icon and veteran are mandatory and called for. Fiona hosted Urban Rush, later The Rush, on Shaw Television, before hosting the aptly titled talker, Fiona Forbes. She is currently senior creative producer and host for Hubcast Media. There is a lot that I love about Fiona Forbes. Your two names. Some people are one name, your two names. Fiona Forbes. Her ability to put her guests at ease during interviews, her ability to create her own opportunities in this hard business. Her sense of style, how she overcame a seemingly debilitating fear of public speaking to become one of our city's most beloved media personalities, how she uses her powerful voice to speak out about issues that matter, like anxiety attacks, and how people should wear a damn mask during COVID-19, and how cute her dog Chewy is. So, And I'm sad Chewy's not here today, so just give my best to to Chewy. So today we're going to talk about as much of that as is humanly possible. We're going to talk anxiety and career highlights. We're going to look at the local media industry through the lens of COVID, and in the wake of all the massive paradigm shifts of the last five years. And, and we're gonna play a spirited round of favorite things. Fiona Forbes.
1: I can't wait. Welcome Thank you. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you so much, Sabrina. And you say you're nervous because you're interviewing me. I get so nervous when I'm talking about myself. So we're on okay. the same page here. Well, and I don't just want you so to so you know, nervous at all. You can't hide behind plexiglass because we are COVID <laughs> friendly here.
0: Yes. And I was going to try
1: and hide, but you can see through it.
0: Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know if you you can see your own reflection as well yeah. as me. It's weird because I see my reflection against her face. It's really weird. It's all just very weird. Let's begin um, with a question that it used to be kind of a rhetorical device just to start a conversation. And now like, I ask this from my heart. How are you, Fiona? It's funny because I,
1: I ask that and answer that more thoughtfully now than ever before, yeah. especially when I'm feeling weird or uncertain in these uncertain times. But these are uncertain times, and uh, I'm okay today. Yeah. I'm okay. It's funny because I wasn't. It's the COVID coaster, man. Mm. I never know what's gonna happen. Yesterday, COVID Yester- coaster. Yeah, yesterday. I haven't heard that
0: sort of phrase yet. Oh yeah, I'm it.
1: It's oh fine. man, it was like the wild mouse at the peony. If you ever rode that baby, you just <laughs> never knew if you were gonna <laughs> stay on that ride. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm good today. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm not that good today. I'm not that good today. Um, I. And we were talking a little bit about this before uh, before I hit record. But I I live with general anxiety disorder, panic attacks, depression, PTSD, and um, it's all I'm super triggered. I think right now I've had a I've had very a lot of depression during the days, so very lethargic, very sluggish. Trying to go up, you know, and I have a kid, and I'm trying to look after my my husband, and he has kidney failure, and I'm just trying to keep things going and keep this going and you know and so I'm so tired during the day and then at night that's when all the anxiety comes. And that, you can't sleep through anxiety. Like, that keeps you, that keeps you up at night. It does. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I I feel you, because I was like you yesterday. It's overwhelming, and so overwhelming, and I'm an early bird. I jump out of bed uh, to the coffee machine. I'm not crazy. (laughs) Uh, But yesterday, I just couldn't do it. I tried to get, literally could not lift myself out of bed. Yeah. And it got better, because it gets better, but that's why I say COVID coaster, because it's, it's it's scary at every turn and you know what sometimes it's not because we're, we are it sounds everything sounds cliche during this pandemic but we are really in this together yeah. and uh, I've spoken publicly about my panic anxiety and I think that a lot of people might be experiencing that right now but not knowing what it is and I have to keep mine in check because yeah. I usually only have anxiety or panic attacks when I'm under extreme pressure hmm. but now they can hit me out of left field where I think I'm fine and then I'm like why is my heart racing? Why am I sweaty? Why is everything weird? Everything's closing? I can't breathe. You know what, people? You're probably having an anxiety attack. You can breathe through it. Yeah. It will get better, but when you don't know what it is, that's the scariest thing, yeah. and there's so many ups and downs, literally hour by hour, minute by minute during this pandemic. Yeah, it's and imp- we are
0: in a trauma. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's, it is a drawn out every minute of every day kind of trauma, you know, instead of it being like just one event, and then, you know, and then we start to heal. Like, we're in the midst of and oh, we so don't
1: know when it's going to end, and that's know. the daunting yeah. part, and that's the part that is all encompassing. When will this be over? Yeah. Will it go away? Will, when will we get a vaccine? All those questions. Those are the ones that plague me at night. Yeah. But to answer your question, I'm okay today.
0: Good, and you will be
1: too because I will it be. does get better.
0: It does. And but the th- you know the thing is though, I mean I I have a whole toolkit of of. Things that I use from medicine to there are certain people that I will talk to and and also speaking out because I find having labels for these things and and then speaking out about it you know on social media or even with my nine year olds you know just just giving voice to these things it normalizes it it takes the power away from it but I'm thinking a lot about people I mean who you mentioned who might be experiencing these things for the first time and don't know what it is because, you know, I mean, we can all get to a point where our the, the, the chemicals dancing in our brain mm-hmm. can take us to really awful, awful, awful places. And overthinking can yeah. do
1: that. And it happens at night and some people are alone and might not have people to talk to. And Dan Rather tweeted something yesterday that I couldn't say enough. If you're thinking about a person and you're thinking about calling them just pick up the phone and call them, pick up old school style, not a text, not an email phone them and ask that question. That simple question. How are you? Because reaching out right now, especially to people who are alone, especially to people who may be elderly, who may be too scared. Some people may be too scared to go to the grocery store. You know, some of my elderly neighbors, I didn't know that. So our neighbors kind of gathered together and make sure everybody's okay. You know, it's just reaching out is so important. And I agree with you talking about this kind of stuff and, uh, giving it a name normalizing it because you know what it is who I am it's a normal part of me I thought panic attacks would go away at some point I've learned how to manage them Uh, but will they ever go away and will I never have one again I don't know but I still do and I've had them for like
0: grief right you have to figure out how to integrate them into your life and also sometimes some stuff you know that has been working it doesn't work anymore so you have to figure something else out wow who see how are you? Is a really intense question these it days. It is. It's not just fine. How are you? <laughs> no, and I, I generally I ask from my heart. So we were, we were originally supposed to meet last week, um, and then because time is a trampoline and the COVID coaster, we I, had to reschedule. I messed up the day. Well, I, did, I, mean, I we, didn't know what day it was. We hmm. both we both messed up. You got stuck <laughs> on the Friday, and I got stuck on the July twenty third. And anyway, it here didn't we happen. are. Here we are. But um, in the interim, though. Uh, Regis Philbin passed away at the age of 88, mm-hmm. uh, and I saw on social media you shared uh, some photos and some memories. Can you tell us about about getting to know uh, Regis? And because it was so cool, he actually spoke about you. I know. On your show, I'm getting weepy talking about it because he passed away.
1: I, you know, I don't. I'm not joking. I don't know what day is. What was that Saturday? I
0: think it was. F-
1: I don't know. Fiona, I don't like, know. Don't ask. Let's me. just say a couple days ago, yes. and of course, I saw the news and immediately I was, I was, I was. It was like somebody punched me in the stomach because it was one of those things. Regis Philbin is the reason why I, I, I got into talk TV. I've been doing what I do for 25 years, and Regis and uh, Kathy Lee was the mm-hmm. show at the time. Uh, then it became Regis and Kelly, but it's a show that I watched every single day. And so did my co-host, Mike Eckford, who everybody asks, are you guys still friends? Yes, he. I call him the brother I never wanted, but he and I text <laughs> almost every day, which people think is weird, but we text each other every single day. Um, the brother
0: you know. I'm going to cry. That's amazing.
1: He he laughs too. Uh, But uh, yeah, Mike and I uh, were given a talk show, literally given the keys to the car. Somebody gave us uh, a producer who I still know and love uh, named Manuel. He he auditioned Mike and I separately, put us together because he thought we'd have chemistry. And we all had a shared love of Regis Philbin. And uh, what would Regis do became our mantra between Mike and myself, you know, when we would (sighs) question how we would do an interview. We didn't talk a lot before the show because you and I just had it. Let's save it for the show. Save it for the show. (laughs) That was a Regis thing that I learned. He never used to talk to his co-host before the show. And a lot of people would find that snooty, but he wanted to keep it fresh. Uh, When we didn't know how to do an interview or how to approach it, what would Regis do would be the question. He'd do this. What would Regis do when he was talking about a personal thing? We would turn to his example every single time. He was one of the best in the business. And it's very rare that a celebrity passes and people have only nice things to say yeah. because he's been in the business I think gosh I want to say close to 50 years yeah. uh, he was but
0: 88 years old 88
1: years old and uh, yeah so looking up to him was uh, something my co-host and I uh, both did and then uh the uh, river rock uh the river rock or the hard rock the river rock uh brought him to vancouver i want to say mm, maybe 12 15 years ago i can't remember exactly but when mike and i found out that we were interviewing regis Philbin, our idol who mm. is who you emulate every day on your own show we copied him completely like our show we wanted to be like his show so it's yeah. got a desk it's got coffee I mean it was not reinventing the wheel but literally although Mike and I would fight we called it Regis of Regis no offense to Kathy <laughs> Lee and Kelly but it was like Regis of Regis you but were both. <laughs> we were both reach reach uh, but yeah we got to interview him and it was at the River Rock and Mike and I were so freaking nervous how do
0: you prep for something like that
1: how do yeah. you I don't I wish we still had the, the I'm gonna say tape because it would have been on actual videotape because yeah. Yeah. it was 15 years ago. I wish we still had that interview but unfortunately we don't. I don't remember but what I uh, exactly what we spoke about but I do remember as soon as he walked around the corner at the River Rock and we had our camera set up in a couple of chairs he exuded what you see on TV. He was warm, he was welcoming. It took all the fear away of the interview, and we actually had a conversation, and after that conversation, he had a million things to do, he had other interviews, and he gave us time. And he said to Mike and myself, and I'm going to start crying because he literally, I I got to meet my idol, and he just passed away. It would be like, you know, an actor meeting the person that they, you know, it's that kind of thing. And uh, he took about half an hour, he spoke to me and Mike, and he told us, he said, producers, my entire career have tried to create chemistry between two people. he said, I have it with uh, Kelly. I had it with Kathy Lee, but it's something you cannot create. It's a kneel in the haystack. And he said, you too have it. Uh, he, he told us never to let let it go, but hey, the TV industry kind of changed, and we did, but whatever. Okay. Mike and I are still friends. Uh, <laughs> and we still have the chemistry, but we always joke we play talk show when we're together. But, um but yeah, meeting him and him saying that was the biggest compliment I could ever have. And uh, it's made me reflect a lot in the past couple of days about what it means to actually meet the person who is literally your hero and the reason why you got into the industry that you're in. For anybody, it doesn't matter. The industry. It could be Picasso and art. It could be anything except for, well, that's not going to happen. I don't know. Who um, hey, <laughs> am I to now. say? <laughs> <laughs> well, the way the world's going now. Oh, hey, who there's knows? Picasso. Uh, but Yeah. <laughs> So it's heavy. I don't often. I mean, it's very sad when celebrities pass away, and yeah, I've met a lot over my career, but this one it hit so hard. But it's also the pandemic. You know, I find that uh, that people passing in any way, shape, or form, it, it it's it's a lot. But um, I I feel so lucky to have met him and to have the experience. And he didn't just talk to us. He he when he left, and I say it all the time. He looked at me and he did the double gun finger. He did, and he's like. You got something, kid. A wink and a smile, and he was gone. And then Mike and I found out that he gave us tickets to the show. So we went, and then during the show, he interrupted the show to say, Are Mike and Fiona here? Are they in the house? And he had us stand up. And I just was like, my stomach just like butterflies. I was like, what's happening? We just know it's whatever. And he and Joy acknowledged our interview was great. And then the following Monday on the show, and I did post the clip on my social media. I'll send it to you if you want to play it now.
0: Well, we had a good time, and it was fun. And I got interviewed by the leading team up in Vancouver, Fiona and Mike. They do a show called Urban
1: Rush. Of course, they've been together ten years, and of course, they want to know all of our secrets. Yeah,
0: right. What did you tell them? You didn't tell them secrets. We we have those secrets. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great, and we I enjoyed meeting them.
1: Um, but um, very moving. He he acknowledged us on his show, and my phone rang off the hook, and of course, I had to was it a DVR then is that what we did I somehow had to get somebody to record it so I could have the clip from Regis but it's wow. something I cherish
0: that is that's incredible gone I'm but never so forgotten absolutely oh and like you carry like you're his legacy everybody who was inspired by him is is his legacy you know what I find I think I told you this before I don't know if I have but when I first moved to Vancouver in 2002 um, it's been a while I still sometimes act like I'm, like, new to Vancouver, but was, I'm like, no, I was 18 years ago. I can't do ago. math very well, but I was 18 <laughs> Mathis, years ago. I'm, I'm bad with math except for invoicing, and <laughs> that's yes. amazing. Um, but I, you know, you, yeah, so it was during that brief window where you were at Breakfast Television, uh, and I, I mean, I was going through, like, agoraphobia, and I just I didn't want to go. outside. I was scared. I was scared of and depressed, and I got to know Vancouver through your show. So many you people know, tell us that It's I, such a I, huge compliment. I went to the lounge hair studio because <laughs> they like they were they were doing your hair at the time like i i it made a it made a you know it's not at the I wasn't at the time I wanted to be an interview just like fiona, but I was like you were the, you became the face of Vancouver and thank Vancouver you. had seemed so scary and then it seemed welcoming because of because of you guys
1: oh uh, thank you so much
0: um well thank you <laughs> uh, you know i'm i mean we have both uh pour one out for our media outlets. I mean we've both worked for media outlets that have that have, you know, folded. Got, got folded. Mm-hmm. I mean West Ender, Shaw Vancouver Courier apparently was only going to be gone for 13 weeks but I think we're at 16 or 17 weeks now. It was and that, er, that
1: might have been a bait and switch.
0: A little bit of a bait and switch. <laughs> Vancouver's awesome got its own paper except that they, they said they said that it weren't but you know what are some of the ways that that you have seen the uh the media scene in Vancouver change in the last couple of decades and where do you think it's it's going
1: well I mean that's such a huge question what I, I can tell you what I think you know it was funny because we knew the writing was on the wall that Shaw TV was going to shut down because yeah. you can just tell it's a vibe you know certain show gone layoffs here and there tiny ones you know and then a year later oh, this shows not happening anymore but we're gonna change your show and another round of layoffs and then
0: the sets become smaller and smaller and, yeah. yeah
1: and so we knew what we didn't know and when they did I think there were about 60 staff on still at the time. And it wasn't just our show. These were all the shows that ran the whole community channel, people on camera, behind the camera, you name it. When the final 60 or so were laid off, they announced in that same and I was the only one I was like you guys it's ending and I was like stop saying that I'm like you guys the writing's on the wall but what we didn't know is they'd be turning the channel off yeah. and I'm like well that is a piece of history can I press the button but apparently they needed security in the master control room so that I wouldn't go plum loco or something I don't know exactly what I would do <laughs> I don't know
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to be there with the camera to, <laughs> to watch it all um, but
1: yeah so the thing that was most disappointing I mean, that was disappointing in a lot of ways because it's the first time in the history of Vancouver and don't quote me on the years, but I think approximately 50 years, Vancouver does not have a community channel. And as we know, as the, you know, social media and the internet gets bigger, uh, local news gets smaller and the Courier West Ender and all the local publications that have fo- folded in print are is great, great nodding
0: and shaking my head I know, at it's the, the same, same thing, time. right? It's infuriating. Local
1: news is so much more important now than it ever was. Literally but now more than ever. Yeah, and there are no <laughs> outlets anymore. So to me, I mean, what you said about you learning about Vancouver, I have had hundreds and hundreds of people tell me that over the years. Yeah. How they discover, and the it, same is true for the Vancouver Courier how did you find out what's happening in your community? Yeah. Uh, well, now Twitter and the whole shebang is just a negative cesspool of I don't even know what. But you yeah. know the positive local community stuff is gone, and it's so sad. If I people we need it so much, I know. And people now. always ask me, Fiona, why don't you, Mike, do a show again? I'm like, because nobody wants to do a show like what we did anymore. Will there be a place for that in the future? I would have said no before the pandemic just because of the way things were, but now I'm not so sure because we are so much more, and I'm hopeful, do I think it's going to happen budget-wise like we used to do? No, I worked in the golden age of television. It would probably be on a shoestring and something different, but I do think that local community news, entertainment... The people in your goddamn neighborhood are so much more important and integral now that i really hope somebody steps up to the plate but i might be a little bit too optimistic
0: i'm what, optimistic though fiona but what
1: I you're am. doing is new media is so what yeah. you have to do to survive in this industry is do it yourself it's all diy and that's what DIY. i do now
0: yeah. yeah yeah um and you did not stop during the pandemic you were telling me a little bit about that before <laughs> in the before times before I hit record. Um, you you were still creating content and uh, it was a happy accident. It, yeah. So t- so tell us about the work that you were doing during the I mean, no, I should say we are still in a pandemic. I mean, you came in here wearing a mask. We have the the plexiglass thing up. We have hands little... hand, I, I, I made you reach for your own <laughs> bottle of water in the <laughs> fridge. Like it's we are still in a pandemic, but we are it's we are in phase three. You know, so yeah. we are able to go out a bit more. But, you know, when we all pretty much the province went into into lockdown in, in mid-March. Tell me about what happened with, with you. Well, I'm you currently do. working
1: uh, with a production company called Hubcast Media. And they do a million different things, uh, including supporting community content. <laughs> uh, but uh, what I do with them now is a music show. And we uh, were just on gosh, my brain doesn't work. Were we starting season three or season four? Anyway, we were just starting embarking upon our new season and we had shot one or two episodes and this was just uh, the week before St. Patrick's Day and I had to go to the studio because we were in pre-production for our next episode and I said uh, to my boss, Peter, I said, you know, I saw a promo for Big Brother Canada last night and they had their host at home. Right. We're talking mid-March. Yeah, mid-March. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was probably the first week of March and a little bit of panic had set in for me because I went to a hockey game that week, and I remember thinking and looking around because I'd heard about the pandemic. I'm like, you know, does is one of these people in this arena, are they sick? And uh, then I said to my boss, I'm like, I think we need to plan for me to be at home. And Hubcast uh, Media specializes in live streaming. Yeah. And prior to the pandemic, there were a lot of great things we were doing, but it hadn't really caught on. But now the phone's ringing off the hook. And my boss is very inventive. And he said, well, let's just set up a TV studio at your house house is my uh, 800 square foot apartment in kids wow. just a couple blocks from here yeah. but the next day literally because he's like MacGyver when it comes to TV I had a three camera setup, and for those in the business will understand three cameras set up in my living room along with all the equipment in order to do video interviews yeah. uh, and I have been in this business 25 years I have learned a lot of things along the way but I have never operated three cameras been the audio Tech, and uh, been the one to dial in guests and stuff because it was I ha- all you. Well, I I had to be by myself of in course. my home. Who else was good? So, I had a brief tutorial, and thankfully, again, to my boss, Peter, he's really good at dumbing things down and (laughs) explaining. So, I was hosting from my home. My music show is called On Stage, and we have since titled the 36 episodes we shot from my living room in eight weeks, the isolation sessions.
0: 36?
1: Yeah, and we didn't plan on doing it every day. My music show was never daily. We would do 13 episodes a season. It would take six, eight months to shoot them, but we put the call out on social media Are there artists at home? Are you able to record music on your phone? Do you have a camera? Can you do this? So what we did is we put a call out to Canadian musicians, wherever they were self-isolating in the world, to submit their music to us or play it live over Skype. And the response was incredible. And we went from thinking we'd do a couple episodes to doing it five days a week. It was myself from my house uh, trying to operate the equipment. My director was at his home in Ladner uh, switching the 3 cameras because mm-hmm. of the whole live streaming thing that we we're doing. He was able to have a full master control in his home. Wow. And then my boss, Peter, was at the studio in case something went sideways, technically, because he's MacGyver. And uh, then Delan, our other producer, uh, booking guests and everything. And the four of us did 36 episodes. Uh, just to put it in perspective, a show like that would usually have about 10 people in the same room yeah. working on it. <laughs> But we did it. And it's we all it. online on stage live.tv if you want to watch it. Because, you know, artists uh, obviously are suffering. Venues are dead. <sighs> they're closed. They're shut down. Yeah. And people want to share music. And people want to... It's funny because everybody turned to the arts.
0: People turn to the arts. People... Desperately leaned on that content and during the darker times. And
1: we were happy to provide it. And it was a really dark time. And I was just, and I know that you were doing your podcast then too. I was really thankful to have a purpose Mm. because I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't been doing that because it was just so, what was happening outside was so overwhelming. I had to be at home to work and it was a huge blessing.
0: (laughs) Wow. That is, I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I doff my chapeau. Thank you. To you. Well, um, moving forward then into this phase three kind of world we don't know what's coming how do you think you know let's assuming we have a vaccine in a few years how do you think the the pandemic times will impact and inform your work moving forward you know like what kind of lingering impact do you think it's well
1: it's gonna going to be for a long road yeah. um for the music show specifically because it's going to be uh, post-vaccine that mm. venues and concerts uh, will be allowed to happen again yeah. and that's just heartbreaking and what we're trying to do is being, be creative in how um, because artists are suffering they don't all their gigs are cancelled venues are suffering because they've got no shows so what we're trying to do is bring them together and do socially distanced uh, concerts and we're currently working on we're going to be shooting seven bands na- next week in three days, God help us, at the Massey Theatre. And it's um,
0: a gorgeous space.
1: Man. I know, and so it, that uh, will be the Uptown Live Festival which usually happens in New Westminster but we're gonna be doing it virtually and I can't say too much but we'll be making an announcement on the lineup tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, we are able and we did uh, a project a few weeks back with the city of Coquitlam. Uh, we brought their Canada Day uh, celebration uh, to the theatre there in Coquitlam at the Evergreen and we just had our hosts there and we had people submit all their segments and we also recorded uh, their summer concert series which is currently airing on their website. So what we did is just we had to figure out how to get bands in the venue, uh, no audience which is super weird and uh, record the concerts and uh, put them online because people still want to watch them, artists still are creating music and When we were shooting the summer concert series for Coquitlam, it was pretty incredible because, you know, the the Evergreen Theater in the city had all the protocols in place. It was very strict, uh, following most of the same film and television guidelines that the industry is using now. Uh, but the bands had not seen each other in person until they came to the venue, and it, there were a lot of a lot of tears, and it was pretty amazing. And then we had to get out our pool noodle because a pool noodle is six feet long and socially distance them on the
0: stage. Oh, that's what we're missing here. I need. We noodles. needed the pool <laughs> noodle, but
1: uh, we're trying to bring uh, music to the people because the yeah. venues need the business, God, the artists it's need the work.
0: Such an important role right now.
1: Yeah, me. and we're we learned a lot during the summer. Concert series, which is still airing, by the way. There's still a few more shows. People can watch them on the City of Coquitlam website. They're releasing one every Friday at five o'clock, barbecue time. Perfect. And
0: then or the martini hour. Yeah,
1: the martini <laughs> hour, whatever your poison is. And um, but yeah, that's how we're moving forward right now. Yeah. But it is a moving target, you know. I, the positive Fiona thinks. Well, maybe we'll be able to have small audiences in at some point. And then the yeah. Fiona that saw the news today is like, well. We're back to five people, is that what they said? 5 yeah. 6 people gathering?
0: I'm not even I'm not even Yeah. sure. Yeah, about, about how it's all supposed to work. And so, you know, I have my bubble and then I stick within my bubble and I'm not I, I don't know how or if I can introduce new people. So, yeah, who wins in the battle between positive Fiona and negative Fiona? Like is it are, are you in a constant like constant battle? Constant battle?
1: It is yeah. like it, it, and I'm sure a lot of people can re- relate. It's like having the devil and the angel on your shoulder when yeah. it's the pandemic. Everything's going to be fine. No, it's not. The world's ending. Yeah. You know, he who controls the spice controls the universe. Was a conversation I was having the other day. And replace the spice <laughs> with vaccine, and that's where we are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can we just take a couple of minutes to talk about Doctor Bonnie? Dr. Yeah. Bonnie Henry, yeah. who, um, one of the first things in the first month that my daughter and I, when I was trying to teach homeschool, which is a whole other thing, uh, which we will not get into today, but it's definitely contributed to my um, my mental health decline. One of the first things that my daughter did was write a letter to Dr. Bonnie, you know, just telling her how much she admired her and um, and thanking her for telling people to wash their hands and, and to stay home because, you know, Mari's daddy is really sick, you know, so it's it's... It was. She's been such a wonderful calming influence. However, I have had some frustrations recently, and I don't know if you're the same. Where do you think Dr. Bonnie is being too calm? Because there's a part of me I see videos like of everybody on drum circles, drum circles, or houseboats, houseboats, or playing soccer in a field. Yes, yeah, that that went uh, went viral. I didn't
1: really mean (laughs) to, but. Not how you want to go viral.
0: Not how you want to go. <laughs> just so people going know, viral. there's a
1: soccer pitch in Kits here, and when we were on, I mean, I guess it was never really a lockdown. It was we a Canadian. It. it was a Canadian lockdown. Can you guys just stay home for a couple months? Okay, <laughs> I'll just be right here. Okay, okay, a, eh? um, you know,
0: <laughs> it was a Canadian lockdown, but there was, was a soccer courtesy. pitch
1: that's right. By my house, and right by my house on the same block as a senior's home. So, at the height of the pandemic, when I was seeing 20 or so people doing full contact sports, I tweeted about it and it did go viral. But yeah, those things do make me really frustrated, sad, and angry. Yeah. And it's just, uh, do I think your question was, do I think Dr. Bonnie is too calm? No. Yeah. I think she's got the perfect pitch because I think there is, um, you need a good cop and a bad cop. and oh, she's such a good cop. Yes, but good leadership has led us to be one of the best places to be, not just in our country, yeah. but
0: possibly one of the top okay places to be in the world. We are one of the top okay places. Like, I just, I guess what I want, when I see a drum circle... No, granted, I was at the beach on Monday, and I watched a beautiful sunset, and everybody was socially distanced. You know, this was like um, Jericho Beach, Locarno kind of area. For the area. most
1: part, everybody is. Yeah.
0: But right? I, I guess there's a part of me that wants Dr. Bonnie to, like, be at the beach with a bullhorn, you know, and be like, everybody keep some distance from each other, you know, and then or somebody had actually put, um, I don't know if you saw on social media, somebody took a photo of Dr. Bonnie and put it, you know, and like, kind of looking like concerned, you know, and put like it on the... Like an art installation. Yeah, and our installation and I just I guess like there's a part of me that needs more bad cop I guess you know because yeah. i really I'm worried I'm worried like every like you are I think that a lot of people are that we're going to that the, the curve is gonna be unflattened. Yeah. You know, that like, we are- that We're gonna bend
1: are, it the wrong way.
0: Yeah, or that just because, like I was talking to my husband about this, like, you know, because he's gone to a few restaurants. I'm not as comfortable going to restaurants if I can't sit on a patio. I
1: haven't been to a restaurant since February. There's yeah. things I'm okay doing, and then there's things that make me panic. Yeah. And, and, and I will go to a restaurant, don't get me wrong. I don't judge anybody who's gone. It's just not my place for right now. Yeah,
0: it's well, and like, the ones that I've gone to, like, it's, you know, a, the, the patio it seasons where it's like there's major space in everybody and you're being served by people in face shields and and masks. But like my husband was saying that he thinks that people more people are going out and not wearing masks because because the bars have reopened and the restaurants have reopened. And, you know, it's kind of like normalizing.
1: Yeah. Do I think she could be a little bit more stern with us when Dr. Bonnie Stern um We know we're in trouble. Yeah. I think the bigger problem is, I I do think that she is handling it better than anybody could, and and strong leadership is key. What I think the big problem is, is that because we're seeing the rise in cases, and I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but the rise in cases is uh, people under 30. And I'm not Mm -hmm. picking on people. That's actually a stat. The new cases that are coming up over the last couple of weeks since Canada Day are young people. Um, I don't think they watch the news because we are – they're not the demographic – that actually tunes in at three o'clock like somebody like me does, who has anxiety attacks about it, about how many Do you cases get a reminder say, on your Facebook? Got no, you. but I do check my Twitter <laughs> at probably around three o every day, but I don't think that, um, and I don't want to finger point an entire age group, but again, it's statistics, younger people are not paying attention. Yeah. I overheard somebody the other day say, oh my God, is that like pandemic thing still happening? No, and I just was like, "Okay, you are a part of. The, you're the problem. Yep, yep. You're about 25. You don't watch the news. You have no mask on. Is the pandemic thing still happening? Oh. How are you on this planet? You don't know. So, the problem, I think, is I'm holding
0: my brains into my head. If you're wondering what this, this hand motion is, I do think
1: ignorance is bliss to a lot of yeah. people. I think this whole anti-mask movement is people acting out like when their parents say they have to be home by midnight. I, it's it's There's a backlash happening that I don't... Ex- and again, this goes to my goody-goody Canadian thing. I don't expect here. And it's really... I'm just really... Dis- I don't get it. I don't get it. I either. don't get it. And people who don't wear masks, they're the ones that don't respect your space. And yesterday yeah. at the Safeway right across the street from us here, there was one guy that just wouldn't get... It out of me and this other lady's space no matter what. And it was almost like he was doing it on purpose. He didn't have a mask on. We both did. And I almost felt like he was trying to start something. And I chatted with the lady after because we ended up in the same line. She was like, was that really weird or is it just me? And I was like, no, I felt like he was trying to push our buttons because we have masks on. And And it's just... It's disappointing. Yeah, so Dr. Bonnie, I think she's fantastic. Um, Should she get mad? Yeah, but are they going to hear? Are they going to listen? I don't think so. I think there's going to be some very, very tough lessons learned, and there's going to be people in the hospital telling their friends, yeah, you know what, guys? The COVID thing's not a hoax.
0: Yeah. Dr.
1: Bonnie was right. Who's Dr. Bonnie? Well, she's the one that was telling us for five months to be careful, (laughs) wash our hands.
0: how dare they? Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I do. I do love her. A I do. Lot. maybe she's saving up her sternness or you know and for when things are really better like I, I actually I don't think that's her style I don't think at so, all either. and I I appreciate that yeah you know and yeah. maybe I need to be up there with a bullhorn you know when my well she did her. ask
1: and Adrian Dick said the same thing you need to be our voices on social media and she was talking to young people saying if you're watching now you need to spread the word yeah. so that your group of people here your age group hears
0: yeah, well my daughter, I'm not on TikTok gets...
1: so I can't tell them.
0: Oh. <laughs> What's the TikTok? My daughter's on TikTok. She makes the TikTok. Um no, I I mean I have not I have Instagram, I have Twitter, I have Facebook. Uh like that's enough for me. Yeah, I
1: jumped the shark. Um I can't do TikTok. I I I have one video of my dog Chewbacca doing wookie with the Star Wars music and that's, <laughs> that's it. That's all
0: you need. That's all I need. I'm done. You're I'm good. done. <laughs> Do you want to do some time travel, Fiona? Sure. Um, Where are we going? Uh, I don't know. We're going to go back to that beautiful photo of you at the conehead. No, we're not. But that is a beautiful... You have, <laughs> honestly, fo- I mean, she, she's talking herself down. But Fiona actually is, very, is quite ex- an excellent follow on the social media. Oh, thank you. There's a lot of great throwback Thursday uh, content. If especially. you can't make fun of yourself. <laughs> and that was, I mean, you, you are... a stunningly beautiful you have always been oh, just so stunning but there is a photo it's a modeling shot i think where you have it was in the
1: eighties. Yeah, there was a was, time. It was the eighties. I have, I have no a said. cone head. Go to my Instagram if you want to see. <laughs> Laugh at me, please, because I do too. I don't. I felt like I got punked by the hair people that day, but I think it was in style.
0: I don't I, know. I think every anything anything was in went style. then. Oh, yeah, really. I mean, it was sci-fi. It was cocaine. It was all that stuff. Yeah. Um. I mean, I did. Met, we've talked about this before, and uh, I I alluded to it in our intro, but you know, the fact that there was a time. Um, take me back to the time in your life where you had that debilitating fear of public speaking like it still it it amazes me and boggles my mind that you know that little girl would become a person who would have 30,000 plus conversations. You know, and yet, I know that she's still there and you honor her in, in your I'm still in that nerdy, yeah. quiet
1: kid. I was always a quiet kid, um, yeah. extremely quiet. Uh, I would, um, I didn't know what panic attacks were, but I would be so uncomfortable talking to people that it, I couldn't. I, I would just freak out. Um, So I guess it was my fourth year at university that um, I was studying to become. I was going to go to law school. Long story short, I was going to be a lawyer like my dad. But my parents are both actors. Uh, My mom decided she—I'm not going to say her age because she kill me. She's eight. She decided to go back to acting two years ago, and my my agency Lucas Talent uh, signed her, and she's ah! since been on every single show. I can't even remember which ones right now. Good Doctor. Oh my god! Um, you name it, she's been on it, and she doesn't know how cool she is because she doesn't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> she saw like, wow. the number one most watched drama. In the world. I know. That's amazing. I know. Uh, She was in Once Upon a Time. She was on... I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, my parents are both actors. My dad uh, was a stage actor before he got into law. He went to Harvard got the law degree all that stuff I thought I should follow in my dad's footsteps they were big shoes to fill but you always think you should do what your dad does mm. and I thought it was the law part and so I was at university and this is when I started having panic panic attacks that I can remember I think I might have had them when I was younger but when I was at university there was something about that environment that just triggered me I it's speak- such a pressure cooker and plus UBC is so huge and there was no GPS then uh, never mind I couldn't find my class my first day I couldn't find the damn building like it so inti- it was so intimidating to me. I promise I'm smart, I,
0: but it's a for pe- we have international listeners. Like it's a massive campus, campus, huge, you know, and like it's it's become more developed in the last decade or so. But my gosh, like it's you, crazy, it's impossible to get from one you know across campus in. 10 they do minutes it on
1: purpose. Right. You can't get there on time. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I had a severe panic attack one day. I was speaking. I was in my international relations class, and I had to do a presentation, and I my hands were shaking so badly that it was making the papers I had in, in my hands shake so badly and I couldn't speak loudly enough so people couldn't even hear me over the papers shaking oh. and I actually ran from the room and I got on the bus and I tried to come home and I had to get off the bus because I thought I, I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. It was a panic attack. Uh, but um, I couldn't speak in front of people. It triggered something in me that was so huge that I just couldn't do it. My dad sat me down uh, after that happened, and he, he said, you know, you do, you have thought through that you have to speak in front of a courtroom if you're going to be a lawyer. And like I said, I am. I'm okay smart, but I'm SMRT. I hadn't really thought that through. Uh, I, I had, and I hadn't. I hadn't really put the process in my head of, that I was going to be doing something that I literally could not do which was speak in front of people so my dad's solution with his acting background was why don't you take a broadcasting course or an acting class uh, uh, just to get your public speaking game on so I did in the first class there was an audition to host a television show uh, that was posted and when I say posted this was a long time ago where it was actually a poster on a post (laughs) on paper On paper, yeah. and my dad told me go to the audition because that is the worst case of nerves that most people usually get is at an audition so why don't we do the process and we can talk through it and get you past this so you can speak in front of people and be a lawyer so I went and did the audition and I wasn't I think with a lot of act you think so much about the part that you're not in the moment yeah I didn't even know what the part was because I was doing as as an exercise to get over my fear so I was in the moment and I guess that's why I did well because a week later I was hosting a one-hour talk show and I had no idea what I was doing but I loved it that's what I knew it's not a great story and my dad said he kind of pushed me away from the law thing he said well if you love this it it's probably your passion and what you're meant to do. And I think it's because my dad, rests in his soul, he passed away 20 years ago this year. But I, um, I think he knew me better than I knew myself. Yeah. And so I finished uh, my degree at university, didn't go to law school. Instead, I studied broadcasting. And I was at you know doing broadcasting school at night while I was hosting this show. And I had three part-time jobs. But it was just what I loved. And I think uh, just because your audience is a lot of people in film and television, it's that thing you feel when you step on a set, you belong there. This is what you do. And I didn't care what I was doing. Yeah. It didn't have to be hosting, but I wanted to
0: be there. And that's wow. how it started. Oh, that's such a lesson in like top drawer parenting. Yeah. As well, you know.
1: And it took I, me a long time to realize that. Yeah. You know? Um but yeah, I still get nervous. I am probably more nervous, I know you now, but I'm probably more nervous speaking one-on-one to people sometimes than I am speaking to a crowd of 20,000 people. It's something I can't explain, yeah. but it's just who I am. And I know when I'm nervous now, I know what is happening, I know how to deal with it. I'm I'm not as nervous, maybe, sometimes. I don't have panic attacks by it, for it anyways sometimes <laughs> yeah
0: sometimes do you like how do you think that the experience of having panic attacks living with panic and anxiety impacts you as an interviewer
1: it it actually doesn't because doesn't. you know it's funny because it's all about you know because there's different kinds of nerves mm. and the nerves i get when i'm panicking are because something is making me extremely uncomfortable and I have to figure out what that is to make the panic stop. You know, am I feeling claustrophobic? Um, You know, what is it? And once I identify it, I can get out of the panic. But the nerves I have when I'm doing TV are a different kind of nervous. It's nervous excitement. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how the tables turn because I now do media coaching and training and I tell people how to get over their anxiety, (laughs) even though Mm -hmm. I I can only speak from my experience, but the nerves we feel when we're nervous in that instance, when it's not actual fear, it's nerves, it's the same energy you have as adrenaline when you're excited about something. So it's all about channeling those nerves in the right direction. So when I'm doing TV, and I f- feel myself freaking out because it is the same thing. Your heart, you know, your heart rate's going up. you you know, you might get sweaty and weird, like I'm prone to do. And, and you might feel uncomfortable. But it's all about, you know, if you're about to jump off a di- diving board and you're really excited about it, it's the same kind of thing. It's yeah. like, oh, wait, this is nervous excitement. This isn't nervous bad. This yeah. is nervous good. And my dad, just to give him kudos once again, he always said, if you're not nervous about what you're about to do, you don't have the passion you should to do yeah. it. And whether you're stepping on a stage or you're a public speaker, your cameras are rolling. It's all the same stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's channeling care. it.
0: It's because if you don't care about it, then you're not going to feel the nerves. Oh, mm-hmm. I get, I'm going to try to integrate that into my own parenting as I watch my daughter grow up and try to decide what she's going to do. Also, I do feel, though, we put too much pressure on people in their late teens and early 20s, even their whole 20s, to figure out what it is, you know, that they want to, quote unquote, do with the rest of their life. You know, like I like it's I think you're too young. Yeah. in A lot of ways, you know, to You know.
1: And some people do figure it out when they're really young. And that's great for those yeah. people. My sister wanted to be a mermaid. She is.
0: Yeah. I know that sounds crazy. She's actually
1: a scuba (laughs) diver. But my dad also figured out she wants to be a mermaid. Okay, what's the human equivalent? Mm. Scuba diving. So we bought her Jacques Cousteau's encyclopedias. And she poured over those and she made a career (laughs) of it. But, you know, oftentimes what we are passionate about or love, people might poo-poo on as a hobby. Mm. Especially when it's something in the arts. Yeah. you're not not a concrete doctor lawyer and I'm guilty of thinking that like I had to be a doctor or lawyer something like that that's a real job yeah and having parents that both get act do acting (laughs) they kind of understood so I was lucky but yeah there's a lot of pressure I think undue pressure sometimes some like some kids like they figure it out but
0: they know right away um okay I want to talk about, talk. I don't know why I can't say talk like a normal person. Because talk. I said it like Regis right off the top. <laughs> you did. It's the It's the reach. It's the reach. Let's talk uh, best and worst. Best. Ooh. Yeah. You're like, ooh. Or ooh. <laughs> 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 ooh. and wow.
1: oh. See, I'll warn you in advance. Oftentimes, I just can't remember. So yes. let's see how we do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've had. I try not to, although I do have a game called Favorite Things that we're gonna play later. But you know, it's like it's whatever comes to mind when you say it in the most so best interview. And is it still? Oh, okay. You no, know,
1: just cause we just talked about it, I have so many favorite interviews. Yeah. What were you going to gonna say? You
0: had told me, uh, John Cleese. It's still
1: one of my, yeah. it's funny. I was just talking about that one. Yeah. And, uh, recently because you know, another person I grew up watching, Oh my God, it's John Cleese. I grew up watching Monty yeah. Python, Faulty yep. Towers. I, I was quoting it at him and then I caught myself quoting <laughs> Monty Python to John Cleese. And I looked at him and I said, Oh my God, I'm one of those people that's quoting Monty Python at you. But what he did didn't you mind. quote? I, It was the night, Sandy. I just couldn't, I couldn't (laughs) not. (laughs) But um, he's one of my favorites. Martin Short, he was another one. Gosh, uh, so many. So many. And sometimes it's the people that you least expect. It could be Joe Blow off the street that just came in and made a salad and it was so fun. But uh, yes, a lot of celebrity interviews are way up there. But um, mm -hmm. worst. It's so hard to say. I know. It's so bad because everybody wants to know who is an asshole. Yeah.
0: It's hard. You don't have to name, but like.
1: There was one celebrity. She is i I'll say it's a woman because that made it extra disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you after. Okay, good. <laughs> but I don't like to name people because I always think, and this is what I think. She could have been having a bad day. Yeah. She could have just had a phone call where she found out something really terrible happened. And I always give people the benefit of the doubt because I haven't met her again. Right. Uh, but uh, she's an A-lister and the interview was scheduled to happen at an event and we showed up with our cameras and she just looked at me and she said, who are you? And she's somebody I looked up to my whole life. So it was really disappointing. Oh,
0: that is so- that is. Yeah. But again,
1: I don't know what her story was that day. Yeah. So and I. What does
0: that do to you? Because, like, I mean, I'm, maybe this is this is a selfish question because not this has not happened on the podcast, but it did happen when I was, was writing for The West Ender and The Courier, and I'd be sent out to interview somebody, and it would be somebody that I looked up to. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, I still, they're a dick because often they'll be a dick right at the beginning of the interview, you know, and like, what do you do with that? Because like, you still got a.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. And that's why when you have a co-host like I did, it's great. Because if somebody pulls the yes, no, like they're either freaking out or so nervous they can't speak. Mm. Or they just don't want to be doing the interview. When you have a co-host, at least you can banter. But when you're one-on-one with somebody, there's no out. It's like, oh, God, get me out. What can I ask her? What do you have for lunch? I don't know. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't end up interviewing this person. Because how I handled it that day is that um, I this was you know, 15 years into me doing this, I don't want to interview somebody of that stature who does not want to be interviewed. And I told her, I said, listen, we don't have to do the interview. I said, it's totally fine, camera's gone. And uh, my camera guy was somebody I was really good friends with, so he just took the camera, he took it out of the room, and he walked away, and he left me with my producer and um, this certain celebrity. And I said, don't worry about it. I almost just said her name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just said, don't worry about it. I said, honestly, it's, it's totally fine. I understand that having a camera in your face sometimes isn't what you want to do, and that's totally okay. And then I ended up being seated next to her at the event. And... <laughs> She didn't sit down right away, so we were already through our appetizers, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting next to her. Oh my God, I have to talk to her. Oh my God, she hates me. Who are you? <laughs> what do I know? Oh, man. <laughs> so I just made a joke. I was like, so you want to do the interview now? <laughs> and I said, just kidding. And she started getting really apologetic. Mm-hmm. And she actually said, yeah, let's do it. And I said, oh, my God, no, I'm t- I was totally joking. And um, she tried to turn it around. I said, my camera guy left two hours ago. It's not happening. And she was actually, I could tell she actually felt bad.
0: Yeah. Um, I wonder if she'd been treated badly by other interviewers before. Maybe. You
1: know? like, and I, I think somebody did tell her that um, because it was a children's charity, she was there as the spokesperson, that mm-hmm. she probably should have done the interview because there was a purpose it wasn't tabloid we are in Vancouver people yeah. don't like tabloid people so yeah she's really famous so i gave her the benefit of the doubt we ended up having a good laugh
0: yeah that's good yeah. that's the reason i don't like doing junkets and things and i'd rather do a i mean that's the joy also of covering like my of making a small community your your raison d'être right like i just i my bad experience was with somebody who was not part of this community mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. it's different it's different when it's it is different the home crowd okay yeah are you ready to play favorite things yes so basically you just have to tell me your favorite things um very hard game these questions however were developed by a top-notch interviewer who forbes my nine-year-old daughter i was gonna say yeah. <laughs> <your> daughter. <laughs> my daughter because she like she we, we were we talked about what questions what could really reveal you know some who somebody is in their inner soul so um, what's your daughter's name again her name's Mari Mariana Mari well thank you for the questions okay so you ready yes favorite karaoke song? Oh
1: gosh, I'm tone deaf. I am. I run screaming from on the karaoke, karaoke, but if I do, yeah. and uh, there's no glass to break with the, the <laughs> earth-shattering sound of my voice, it is actually Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Because I apparently, according to my musician friends, sing that song so terribly <laughs> that it has them rolling on the floor. So it's okay. a random one. If it weren't going to be that one, it'd probably be something Fleetwood Mac because... Because I've been really into Fleetwood Mac the last couple of weeks
0: i I don't even know what to do with those answers) <laughs> I mean, I do have follow-up questions. I mean, my, main one is, my main one is, next time I go for karaoke, do you want to come with me to sing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina? Do you pretend you're on a balcony? Do you uh, totally,
1: your... because when you can't sing like me, and I'll tell you a quick aside, I, I've always, like, I'm tone-deaf. My voice is terrible. I am not being, you know, <laughs> down on myself or being negative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just sounds terrible when I try and sing. And I was interviewing David Foster, and... Um, i told him i was tone deaf and he said oh and i've gotten to know him and be friends with him so i'm okay mimicking him oh fiona you're not tone deaf you just haven't learned how to use your instrument (laughs) and he's like doing all this stuff with his diaphragm and his riff. you just have to let me teach you and this was during the interview and um i said sure like people have been trying for decades but you're david foster you got a couple grammys okay let's go he's like yeah you just gotta breathe okay now do this tone that i'm doing and he would hum a bar and i would try and hum it with him and after the first one he goes whoa 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 don't ever fucking sing again <laughs>
0: <I'm> like, <"Mm-mm-mm-mm." laughs> oh wow seems like you taught him something and i wear that, that with pride wow i can be good at other things yeah, <laughs> but also karaoke is not just about its not just about singing on key. It's also about having fun. I would love to see you. I'll do it. Yeah, wow. I have no shame in my game. Amazing. Ama- well, it's clearly not. If it's <laughs> What's your karaoke me. song? Um, I Will Survive oh, or the Roberta one. Flack, uh, Killing Me Softly, oh. if I'm singing solo. But if it's a group, we do uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, that's a fun one. And, uh, and then with my brother-in-law, I sing Under Pressure, and I'm Freddie Mercury.
1: Oh, I love that song. Yeah,
0: but it's like I sing the... Yeah. Hi, but it's like I will. We will only do that if we've been singing for like two and a half, three hours already. Okay, favorite video game,
1: Pac Man, Miss Pac Man.
0: Aww, favorite junk food. Oh, lately it changes, changes
1: yeah. all the time. But right now, this is a pandemic thing. I don't eat potato chips. I'm like potato chips but right now it's those hard bite yogurt and dill those are so good right yes so that's my current junk food it will yeah. change tomorrow probably that's a, that
0: is a very good one uh, what, what was your favorite junk food when you were nine years old
1: gosh when I was nine see it was like we'd get our allowance and we would walk to the corner store yeah, yeah. and we were talking about this I am not joking I'll show you the tech, text <laughs> messages because I don't even know if they sell it anymore fun dip do you remember Fun Dip? It was, it was a pouch of sugar. Of three, yeah, three pouches yeah. of sh- different kinds and of sugar. And like then a candy stick? Yeah, you got a sugar stick with two different colors of sugar. One yeah. was purple, I think, and one was pink. And if you mix them together, they'd be blue. And it was basically just <laughs> sugar, chemicals, yeah. food coloring, probably 900,000 ingredients because it was a long time ago. Yeah. When I was nine years old, that was the business.
0: Yeah, I used to love... Um, It was just a straw of sugar. I mean, that's what it was—the sugar straw. Yeah, it was just, but a big one. You just eat the
1: sugar. You know, that's what I love about our generation. It's just like kids aren't allowed to have sugar now. It's like, guys, we were eating it by the gallon. Yeah,
0: we turned out fine. Yeah, we fine.
1: Wait, I think I'm crazy though.
0: (laughs) Favorite superhero
1: today: Wonder Woman. Yes, because yes. the social media game today that you played too, I do believe, was uh, somebody messaging you and telling you to post a black and white photo mm-hmm. to empower women, yeah. and it just made me think of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, yeah. Yeah, oh, I
0: love. Favorite super villain. A
1: super villain, gosh. You've got so many, well, you know what? There's a funny <laughs> story about why, because I love Star Wars, obviously. My dog's named Chewbacca, so it's pretty. Yeah,
0: but, and I gotta say, a little upset he didn't come today.
1: I know, but my, he and my mom are BFFs and they wanted to hang. Um, like Job of the Hut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Oh, his, and the way that he's killed. Yeah. You know, with it's Leia and the outfit just strangling him with the. But that scene yeah. and
1: everything. I mean, there is a Jabba the Hutt character right here. In my yeah, s-
0: that's an original I can Jabba smell. the Hutt toy. From does it have the little chamber underneath? It does. It the does. dungeon
1: thing? Okay, so. Yeah, that, I mean,
0: you can open open it up and. Yeah.
1: See, so I'm next level nerd that I can. I, I used to have that. I should have kept it because apparently those are worth coin these they days. They are
0: worth a lot. Yeah, a lot of coin. Okay, what was your favorite television series when you were nine years old?
1: Funny thing is, uh, with what I ended up doing for a career, is we did not have cable when I was a kid, and uh, my dad told me it was because the cable companies didn't make cable long enough for our driveway, and my sister and I bought it for the longest time. (laughs) dad <laughs> <laughs> look what I ended up doing it backfired uh, working for the cable company uh, but we only had two channels so I missed out on a lot of television when I was younger so we could watch it was the after school it was Gilligan's Island the monkeys Saturday nights okay I think I was around nine it would be it would be Gilligan's Island and the monkeys mm. it was a little later on in life that Love Boat and Fantasy Island were like yeah. the double header on Saturday nights but I could never stay awake for fantasy island
0: yeah but (laughs) i'm actually i have a, a question then this is not whatever question were you like team ginger or Team Marianne. I loved both, and yeah. I know that's a cop out answer, it, but it really is. I'm I love the get
1: glitz and glam of Ginger, and I didn't know why, but I would still wear that dress that she wore oh, forever. Yeah. For how me. many years were on that island? It still <laughs> she didn't lose a <laughs> sequence? What the heck? That's not how life works. No. Uh, but I loved Marianne, and yeah. I actually got to interview Marianne a few years ago. She Don ran, Don Wells. Don yeah. Wells came here for the Vancouver Boat Show, and for the boat. Show, yes, because they had an SS Minnow replica. This was the only, not that long ago like five six years ago and she was so cute and honestly she looked the same yeah, so really? cute and so funny and so nice pigtails uh no but she was wearing a sailor's jacket which I thought that's, was adorbs
0: that's amazing yeah. okay favorite hot beverage coffee Coffee. Coffee talk. Coffee. (laughs) She coffee
1: talk. It's because we did the coffee talk Saturday Night Live mimicking before we started this. I miss
0: New York. I miss traveling. New York was
1: actually the last place I traveled to and I feel really lucky. But uh, hot coffee. It has to be hot. Uh, Right now, I am... I have an espresso, but don't hate me. I do recycle the pods. Yeah,
0: but we have an espresso. We recycle the pods as because well. Because with the pandemic and
1: not being able to go out for coffee, and I only started going to coffee shops a couple weeks ago, I I have two Nespresso machines now. I have the espresso one and the one with the bigger pods. Oh, yeah. So right now Fancy. I'm into the bigger pod ones, yeah. but it's a, it's a latte, and I use this... Um, It's a local honey, I think it's local, called Drizzle that has a little bit of cocoa in it. So it's almost, like, you guys, really, game changer. Oh, wow. Yeah. So,
0: like... We'll, that's put, a, we'll put a link to them in the footnotes. I'll for give this you my episode. recipe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you turn the coffee machine on. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's mine. That's hers. That's hers. Okay. Favorite cold beverage?
1: Cold beverages. Right now, if I were going to have one right now, and this is the hottest day we've had in ages, yeah. I think it would be an icy, icy, so the glass is almost frozen, glass of rose. And it's going to be whispering angel rose. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna go across the street for a drink. Out of <laughs> I'm gonna go to Au Comptoir and have a French 75. Um, favorite vacation destination? And right now,
1: it's such a bucket list question. And I saw three of the girls in my bubble three weeks ago, and that was our question around the dinner table: was if there were no pandemic, none, none, and it's a year from now, yeah. and you're allowed to travel for the first time, where are you going? I'm going to the Amalfi Coast cuz I've already I already know. I'm going to the Amalfi Coast. I'm going to Italy. Yeah. I'm going to Capri. I'm going to eat their delicious food and swim in the water and just be with the people and the culture and eat that pizza.
0: Oh gosh. So I've been a year ago at this time. Were We've, you really? Yeah, we, we were oh gosh. Uh, we were in Rome and we went to Naples and we went, we went to Pompeii. Like we we like and just the f- I love how Italians live their lives. They've got like it I, dialed. They they know the perfect balance of like, you know, of work and style and just like drinking and, and life and eating yeah. and art and, you know, that's, I would love, to, I'm actually, we were supposed to go on a trip there with some friends this summer um, and then also to Santorini, rent a house. And, oh yeah. That's
1: on the bucket yeah, list too. But, yeah. You
0: know, it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's not even something, I mean. It's something I can dream about, but it's not something practical—not for the next year or two, for sure. Yeah, Um, we can't play favorite things without you answering this last question. Chewy, my dog. Oh, what's the question? Sorry. (laughs) Because for my daughter, this is the most telling uh, favorite animal. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know you, did you grow up with dogs like, I did yeah. and, dogs, um, dogs.
1: <laughs> and if you go to my Instagram well you can go to Chewie's Instagram it's at smiling Chewy because my dog actually smiles for those who have met him um, he's a five pound Yorkshire Terrier okay maybe six or eight because he's got pandemic weight on him. super
0: embarrassing <laughs> we Bear. all do it's super in embarrassing <laughs> yeah.
1: um, but I did grow up with dogs I actually had an Irish wolfhound which oh. is the largest breed of dog in the world I want to say um and ours was a big one. It was. Yeah. We had a pony that was smaller than the dog. But um, I also grew up on a funny farm. <laughs> <laughs> But I never thought small dogs were really dogs. I was one of those dog snobs that if it wasn't a giant creature, and don't get me wrong, I loved my Irish Wolfhound, and Chewy needed a home, and he kind of found me, which was uh, a blessing, and I don't think I ever would have gotten a small dog if it hadn't kind of been serendipitous, yeah. but he's the smartest, cutest little thing, and honestly, and I know people with pets right now uh, can relate, during this pandemic, I've been so thank. He's sick of me. Yeah. Really, leading? I was
0: actually going to ask how he is doing. We're going this. for
1: another walk. <laughs> yeah, but he's he gives me such joy, and he's with my mom right now. And if I had known he would bring my mom so much joy, I would have gotten a dog uh, a long time ago. But it's definitely Chewbacca. Yeah.
0: So he so because like arc my cats are done with me. Like they do, they are like you're here. You guys are here. Aren't all the time. cats usually done with you? Yeah, but like they are extra done. So che- Chewie's not like like they people are saying that. They're worried about dogs' mental health when the pandemic is Okay, that's going a little bit too far.
1: I do understand (laughs) what they mean because I legitimately worried about that. Cats aren't the same. But because I, when I I, I was self-isolating, I realized, and I was only seeing my mom because she lives 10 blocks away. um, I uh, literally had not left Chewy alone without me, not even just with my mom. I had not left Chewy. Yeah in almost eight weeks because he came with me literally anywhere I went even if it was the grocery store he would be in the car with my mom and I was worried the first time I had to leave the house and go to work without him that he would have dog anxiety uh, separation anxiety and he didn't and I'm so thankful but I do understand people's concern about that with dogs because some dogs really do have separation anxiety too he thank god does not but he is sick of me he's very spoiled
0: I love Chewy's life. I, I just through <laughs> social media and also, like, he's just, he just gives good face. Like, I, like, for every photo of myself I post, there's like 40 that I don't, but I'm like, wow. Like, Chewie's
1: on the money every yeah. time. Every single and time. And for anybody who looks at his social media, no, it's not Photoshop. He actually smiles. Actually smiles. And I figured, you know, Grumpy Cat, rest his soul, they made millions off him. Can I turn a buck off a smiling dog? Nobody wants to hire this kid. Come on. <laughs> look at him, he's smiling. He's like the Cheshire cat, but he's a dog.
0: Great. And, and, And uh yeah, but great Halloween costumes I've (laughs) seen in the past. Fiona Forbes. Thank you. Oh thank you for being here today. And really,
1: you know, I want to say thank you, not just for the like I get overwhelmed when people introduce me the the way that you did with that. Thank you so much. But thank you for what you're doing because I know doing a podcast, people might who don't do a podcast don't realize how much work it takes for you to do this. And how many episodes have you done now?
0: A hundred and two.
1: It's so much work. (laughs) So kudos for you, because I think that with, you know, entertainment talk shows going the way of the dodo bird like mine and a lot of community newspapers folding, having the YVR uh, screen scene podcast is so integral to our community, too. So thank you for all the work that you're doing, because we don't lift ourselves up enough in this business. And thank you.
0: Thank you for saying that. I don't want to cry. Damn it. I got to read this out now. Um, where can our fans find you and follow you on the social media? They can find me at Fiona
1: Forbes everywhere, except for it's different on TikTok and I never log in. So I don't even know. But it's just chewy there anyway. Uh, but it's <laughs> Fiona Forbes on uh, everything. And then if you want to check out the music show, the isolation sessions that I was talking about, it's all on TV. And then Hubcast Media, the production company that I'm working with that we're doing all the music productions with during this pandemic pandemic is uh, goddamn pandemic is what I meant to say is hubcastmedia.com
0: yeah and we'll have links to all of that in the footnotes thank, thank you, you Fiona and thank you to your daughter for the great questions yeah they're good I'm <laughs> glad that you even knew that what the last question was going to be you guys are just on vibrating okay on the I need dip and rosé right now and I'm golden <laughs> Woo! Uh, let's go and do that right after. Oh, and you will tell me who that a list is. Will. right? Okay. All right. I'm going to speed through this then because I want to hear. So like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me. Sabrina Firminger and it's edited by Simon Firminger Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Firminger We're a family business for technical support, and to Dane Devalay for the original music. Yver Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut. This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day.